0: Hi, guys, and welcome to episode uh, number four of my new podcast, Beginning Again with Leanna Tankersley. I am glad you're here today, and I have um, uh, some thoughts for you that I think are going to be um, hopefully important on your journey. The title of today's episode is Keep Casting Your Nets. And this is a phrase that I return to a lot in my own life Um professionally, personally, emotionally. It's just a a concept that has served me, and so I wanted to share it with you today. The idea or the phrase, keep casting your nets, comes from um, a story in the, um, it's really an ancient story, from the New Testament scriptures from the book of John. One of the ways that I think about stories in scripture, these ancient stories, um, is that they're Every story is about a specific time and a specific place and specific people, but they're more than that. They are also uh, stories that we have been given because they tell us something about our humanity. They show us something that we need to know about who we are and our journey in this world. And they also tell us about God in some way. And so every time I'm looking at a, a narrative in scripture, I think about why is this here? why is this important to me and my journey today? And what does this have to say about my own humanity and God's divinity and how those two things intersect in my life today? And so the story is about um, a bunch of dudes fishing on a lake, but the story is actually about you and about me And so I want to unpack that some today and talk about what does it look like for each of us to keep casting our nets in our lives and the things that we're involved in and the relationships that we are um, committed to. What does it look like for us to keep casting our nets and to begin again daily, hourly, moment by moment in the work that God has invited us into throughout the spectrum of our lives? Before we get into that, though, I want to um, just remind you guys, for those of you that are involved in MOPS and that are going to be attending MomCon in just a couple weeks in Orlando, I'm going to be there, and I'm so excited. Um, I'm going to be teaching a um, workshop on Saturday, September 7th in the afternoon, and I'll be doing the same workshop twice, and then um, after each one, I'm going to be signing books right outside the room where I'm doing the workshop, and I'll be signing the new book, the devotional that just came out last week, Always We Begin Again. And so if you're going to be at MomCon, please come by. Uh, Please come to the workshop if you want, or just come by my table and um, let me sign your book and give you a hug and introduce yourself. I'm really looking forward to being there, and I hope I get to meet um, some of you who are listening. Okay, so this story about casting your nets... um, comes from the book of John in the New Testament scriptures, and here's here's basically the context. The disciples who are um, the followers of Jesus, this group of guys that are the followers of Jesus, they are on the Sea of Galilee in a boat and their primary trade is fishing. And so they've been fishing all night. And, um, unfortunately they have not caught one thing. And the story is clear to say that they literally have just come up empty over and over and over again. Now let's just stop right there. And, um, and let's talk about the fact that some of us feel like we are putting ourselves out there in the world and we are, um, it's coming back empty. It's, there's no return. It's a void. Um, And we're drowning in that void. Uh, Let's just talk about that for a second. Okay. So the disciples are putting themselves out there. They're casting their nets and nothing is happening. So obviously, this is discouraging. This is frustrating. This is um, this would cause a person to feel some self doubt. This would um, cause you to question uh, yourself, your efforts, all of these things. You see where this is going, okay? And so it's dawn at this point, and again, they are uh, fruitless, and um, and they hear someone from the shore, and they can't immediately recognize who this is. They hear a voice tell them to. Um, cast their nets one more time on the right side of the boat. And so they do. They cast their nets on the right side of the boat. And when they bring them back up, as the story goes, their nets are so full, so full to overflowing that it, that the fish are actually uh, breaking their nets. There is such a, a huge catch. So this is... You know, possibly a story that we could just overlook. It's also possibly a story that we could just say, "Oh well, if I listen to God um, enough times or at the right time, and I respond in the right way at the right time, then I'm going to have great prosperity." And we could focus all of our attention in this story on the fact that the in the end, the disciples got what they wanted, and their results were, um, you know, prosperous and enormous. I think, though, the story is a little more nuanced than that, and, um, and here's just some things that I've thought about it in my own life and how it's been helpful. Um, I think, first of all, uh, when we are thinking about putting ourselves out into the world, casting our nets, casting our offerings, our gifts, our passions, our, um, our, our uh, creations, our those things that are um, personal to us, those things that we care about and we've nurtured in our own lives, when we think about casting that into the world, um, I believe that our response is far more important than the results. Now, I know, first of all, it's really easy to say because um, that sounds nice, but results are important. And I get that. I, I totally get that. But I think this story and so much of our journey is actually about how we're responding versus what happens in the end, the outcome. We are trained uh, by every kind of force around us to focus solely on the outcomes. Did we get what we wanted out of this endeavor? And I think what this story is saying is that there's something about God calling out to us and inviting us and us responding even after we have experienced some measure of failure self-doubt futility disappointment and this is the idea um, of again beginning again is there an area in your life that God is inviting you to begin again perhaps it's work perhaps it's um, uh, this this sort of dormant or latent passion inside of you that keeps bubbling up, but you keep pushing it back down because it doesn't feel like you have what it takes. Perhaps it's a relationship in your life, uh, the, the time and investment that you're making in your children, which believe me, I understand is huge and ongoing. Perhaps it's the time and investment that you're spending with an elderly parent who's aging and needs you. Or perhaps it's a time that, and, and investment that you're making in a marriage, and it feels like, I don't know if this is going anywhere, this feels futile at times, I feel like I'm, I'm totally on the wrong track, and God is calling you to stay with it, to continue, to keep casting your nets, and that showing up and responding to His invitation is as significant as any outcome you're going to experience. So the question here is, what has God put in your hands? What has God put in your hands that He has invited you to cast out into the world? And you are feeling a measure of You are feeling a measure of self-doubt. You're feeling a measure of vulnerability and risk. And you're saying, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that again. There's this old saying that says, if you always do what you've always done you're always going to get what you've always gotten. And it's kind of like that definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And so I understand that that's a component of this, that some of us are um, doing the same things over and over. We're involved in toxic behaviors or habits or ways of thinking, and they are not producing. And that is um, an invitation to go back and listen to episode two, which is let the dead trees go. Um we're not talking about that here. Here, we're talking about sort of a sense of um, God kind of pressing on your soul and saying, "Actually, the invitation is to reinvest, to return, to respond." And we are scared, and we are unwilling because we don't because we can't control the outcome. Many of us, we are um, we are casting our nets out into the world, uh, only hoping to catch a solution. And God's process with us is, um, it's just far more creative than that, isn't it? That he is saying, it's actually through my invitation and your response that something significant is going to be created. And so uh, what does God put in your hands? What is he inviting you to offer or re-offer or return to or reinvest in? Now I understand that if we do things and we don't get the results that we want, uh, we often feel a measure of self doubt. We often feel like, "What is wrong with me that I can't get this to produce what um, what I need it to produce or what I expect it to produce?" Um, so self doubt keeps us from casting our nets back out into the world. I don't know if I have what it takes. You know, I talk to a lot of. Um, a lot of people who are aspiring writers. And there are so many points in the writing journey um, in which a person feels this, this place of self-doubt of who am I, what do I have to say, and why would this um, even go well? Uh, and I understand that. I think a lot of us are wired to Listen to the loud voices, those loud soul bully voices, because they're the loudest voices in our heads often, and to give in to them and to allow them to rule us and um, to allow that self doubt to take over and be the thing we're listening to instead of God's calm, quiet voice that's calling us from the shore and saying, "You can do it." Reinvest, put your nets back down in the water. Let's try it again. It's 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 a calm, quiet gracious voice. The voice of tyranny and punishment and bullying, as we talked about in the last episode, that is the soul bully. And that is not God's voice. That God is not um, a voice of contempt and intolerance. And so if you're hearing that voice, that is not the voice of God calling you. The voice of God is calling you gently, faithfully, quietly. It is a hand extended in your direction, a gracious hand, that you can choose to not take, and he will not leave you or abandon you. But he's going to reach towards you, and he's going to call towards you, and he's going to say, "You're invited. You're invited." And if you are invited, you really can't go wrong by responding. You just step into it, and you say, "Here I am," and you say, "Here I am with my self doubt. Here I am with my, um, you know, potentially lacking skills." you know, here I am with my non-perfection. And he says, you know, the process is so much more important than your performance and your perfection. The process is what I'm after. So self-doubt I get it it's a plague it's a plague on some of us and some of us don't don't really suffer from it some of us are less shame-based than others but for those of us who the minute we think about uh, the vulnerability involved in casting our nets back into the world in whatever way we are immediately plagued by this self-doubt where it's like who am I and um, what do I think I'm doing and that is a voice that we are just going to choose to not listen to because it's not a generative or productive voice. And it's not the voice of growth and transformation. And it's certainly not the voice of love. So um, yes, self-doubt is a real thing, but it's not ultimately what we're going to bow down to because we're on a different path, right? So um, another thing that keeps us from casting our nets out into the world other than self-doubt is um, past disappointment. So you're like, yeah, no kidding. I've tried that. I was up all night. I was up all night putting my nets in the water and nothing happened. And it was one disappointment after another disappointment after another disappointment. And I'm not going to do that again. I just can't risk it again. And I believe God understands that. I know that God knows our pain. And I know that He understands when we're saying, I I just, I don't think that I can do that again. And our prayer at this point, if He is calling us to reinvest again, and we just, all we can do is put the brakes on, our prayer is, God, heal me. Heal my heart, my will, my mind. Walk me out into a spacious place as it talks about in the book of Psalms. I'm in a corner here. I'm in a really small corner. And if you're asking me to begin again, if you're asking me to open up to the vulnerable thing, then I need you to heal me from the fear of being disappointed again, from the worry and the vulnerability of being disappointed again. I need you to help me, show me a way a path out of this corner and into the spacious place. In Psalms, it talks about God pulling us out of the void in which we are drowning and setting us in on a wide path on a spacious place. And for many of us, disappointment, uh, the sadness, the regret, the uh, rehearsing of all the things that we did wrong and didn't do right. Um, this puts us in a very small place, in a very tight corner. And so our prayer is, God, rescue me, pull me out of the void in which I am drowning and set me on a path of, of breath and life and um, possibility. And um, do you see how this is engaging in the process It's not looking for a solution or waiting for the results or outcomes that we desire to come, and then we will participate more fully, and then we will give ourselves more to the project or to the program. No, it's saying, I will take a small step in the direction of your path. I will take a small step in the direction of freedom, of love, of grace. We need God's help to do this. We don't muster and strong arm and force ourselves into these places. We ask God for the gentle invitation and the grace to respond. Um, I, mean, I think another reason why we um, kind of hold back from casting our nets out into the world, uh, self-doubt, past disappointment. Another one is, and this is maybe truer for some of us than others, again, some of this is about kind of how we're wired and, and what would be like our greatest fear in putting ourselves out there. And I think for some of us, it is very real that we are terrified of criticism. Uh, that if we were to really show up in our lives and in this world and in our in our communities and in our work um, and we were to really like put out there what we want to create or what we want to contribute or what we want to say that we would be met with such harsh criticism that we would not be able to withstand it, and that we would um, we would just sort of buckle under this sense of other people 's opinions of us and I I just also want to shine a light on that. It's very real. It hurts when people say things about us or to us that are critical, that are contemptful, um, that kind of make us rethink ourselves and our identity. Um, You know, it's hard. It's scary. I remember I was writing my first book, Found Art. This was, I don't know, 2004, 2005. And um, I was kind of in the weeds. You know, I had written probably like three manuscripts worth of material. And it was my first book. And it just was not um, solidifying. It was not totally coming together. And the further I went into it, the more confused I got. Some of you can relate to this. The more confused I got and the the more I just felt lost. I felt like the the more I'm working on this and the harder I'm working on it, the more lost I feel. And what is that about? And I was at church one day and I was in a particularly vulnerable stage of this writing. And uh, my pastor's daughter came up to me and she was like seven or eight years old at the time. And she said, uh, hi, Miss Liana. I um, I heard you were writing a book. And I said, oh yeah, Ashley, I am actually, I am writing a book. And um, you know, I immediately start sweating because I I don't feel good about where I'm at in the project and I don't feel ready to field questions. And this is also like what happens when you put out there that you're working on a new project. You know, I just started this new business or I'm I'm gonna try selling this new thing or I'm writing this book. Well then people all feel the freedom to ask you questions about that and to check in with you on how it's going. So, you know, eight-year-old Ashley comes up to me at church and says, um, oh, you know, I heard you're writing a new book. And, um, and then she looks at me and asks me this dagger of a question. And she says, so what's it about? And, um, I look at her and, you know, and I'm, I'm well, um, and for the life of me, I've been working on this book for like two years and for the life of me i cannot in one sentence tell this child this waiting anticipating child what this book is about and i'm stammering i'm saying well you know it's about this year that we spent in the middle east and um well and and i'm stammering and i'm sweating and she's just standing there looking at me i mean she's relentless you know and she's looking up at me and then she stops me cuz she can tell like i mean thank god mercifully she stops me but this is what she says to me she says you don't know what your own book is about? And I I said, "You know, yes I do, but I just I I can't put it into one sentence right now, Ashley. So have a good day. Go back to your parents now. Thank you. Great talk." You know, and these are the kinds of conversations we really want to avoid, especially when we're in the nascent stages of a new project, right? It's vulnerable and we don't need 8-year-olds coming up to us at church and picking apart our plan. Right? And I I think that this is the scary part about putting ourselves out there. We open ourselves up to other people's comments and maybe their criticism and uh, their questions, and this is vulnerable business. But that doesn't mean that just because we are now... we are now uh, subject to people's input on our lives that we decide not to do it. Now, maybe we don't talk about certain things with every single person and we don't announce them on uh, social media until we're ready to really talk about it. But um, yeah, criticism is a part of putting ourselves out there in our lives and showing up. It's actually um, far more significant uh, to be the one to have the courage to put ourselves in the arena and say, I'm going to reinvest. I'm going to return. Um, I'm going to keep casting my nets, even though it's going to require um, some courage and some resilience. And that's okay because that's the kind of path I'm on. So I understand that there are some very significant and real things that keep us from um, casting our nets into the world. And I just named a few. There's so many more. And I'm sure for you in your personal journey, you can think of that thing. And if you can't, what's keeping me from reinvesting in the work that I feel invited to do? If you can't think of what that barrier is, then I invite you to stop and sit down and to spend some time thinking about that. What is keeping me What is keeping me from returning to the work that I feel invited to do? Is it inferiority or shame? Is it fear of failure? Is it fear of success? Some of us don't fear being small. We fear being big. And that is something we need to actually identify and confront. Um, What is it that you are... uh, worried about and that it's keeping you from putting your nets back out into the world. And this is an important thing because We're going to try to cast our nets out there, and we're going to immediately come up against some resistance. And we need to understand what that resistance is so that we can identify, okay, yes, I'm going to submit to that resistance, or no, actually, I don't want my fear of failure to be the thing that's running my life. And we can actually confront it and look it in the eyes and say, is this resistance worthy of submitting to? Or is this a resistance that I need to ask God to help me heal from? We don't just override. We don't push and force ourselves past these barriers. We sit with them. We look them in the eye and we invite God to sit with us as we confront them because we're looking for healing. We're not looking for overriding and pushing past, if that makes sense. And then um, as we begin to understand what these barriers are, I think we actually gain courage and we say, well, the truth is, I don't want the, um, these loud, ugly voices to have the last word on me and my work and my contribution into this world. Um, for some of us, this is about parenting. And parenting and the love that we have for our children and the nurturing and care that we have for our children, that is the net that we are currently casting out into the world. But we're doing it scared and we're doing it because we want certain outcomes. We want our children to look and be a certain way. And God is saying, cast your nets, let go of it, reinvest in nurturing these kids and enter into the process and don't so much worry about the outcome right now. Parent with a, the fuel being love and grace and not fear. You know the question is um, okay. So if I respond to God's invitation to my life, will He change my luck? Um, will He bring me all the things I ever wanted? Will He fill my life enormously with uh, prosperity? And again, I think that what we want to focus on here is um, not that God snaps his fingers and our luck gets changed, but that we are choosing to enter into a process with him that looks different and that um, is about obedience. I think there's some magic in this story, and I don't think the magic is about um, how full the um, disciples' nets became. I don't think the magic is about the outcome. I think the magic is that um, these guys were out there fishing all night, and and the truth is nothing really changed in the situation. At least not that we know of. The weather didn't change. the um, The conditions of the water didn't change. Uh, the temperature outside. We you know we're not told that any of these things change. The um, They didn't get into a different boat. They didn't change their nets. Their technique for casting their nets didn't change. They didn't put out different bait. None of these things changed. The only thing we're told that changed is a voice called and they answered. And so the magic, I think, is in our willingness to respond again. You might call this obedience. You might call this faithfulness. You might call it perseverance, resilience, steadfastness. It's a character, it's a muscle in us that says when God calls, even if it's hard, even if it's difficult territory, even if it's vulnerable work, I will respond because I believe that there is something significant in where he's calling me. So let's talk about this um, keep casting your nets. Keep. Continue. If you have been called to do something in your life— And all of us have. And another word for called is invited. If you have been invited into some kind of work or some kind of practice or some kind of offering or contribution in this world, keep at it. Continue the work you have been invited into and called to do. There's a beautiful scripture in Galatians 6, 9 that is basically talking about, do not let ourselves grow weary in doing good. Don't get tired of the sacred work. God's invitation to us, His whisper to us, is: Don't grow weary of doing the good thing, of doing the sacred thing. I don't care if um, if no one's watching or everyone's watching. Do not grow weary of doing the sacred work that I have called you to. Now, some of us have added a lot onto that initial, quiet, essential invitation. We've packed stuff all around it that God has not asked us to do, that God has not invited us to do, that He is in fact telling us is not necessary. It is the essential sacred work that He has called us into that He is saying, continue that. All these other things that you've added to it, perhaps we may want to sit down and think about are those actually the things that God invited me to do? Am I doing what He has asked, what He wrote on my heart? am i doing that thing because adding all this other stuff that he has not asked me to do is why we get tired and why we get burnt out and why we have to go underground and have and, and why we let all why we allow all this stuff to go dormant it's because we are participating and putting our efforts into things that he never asked us to do whether it's someone else's work or whether we're trying to do his work for him so we keep Casting, we continue, and we continue doing. um, We we continue responding to the invitation that He has uniquely spoken over us. Okay, so then keep casting. What is this idea of casting? I love um, the word here. Perhaps is offering. Keep offering. And an offering is, um, by nature and by definition, there is a sacrificial element to our offering. And so um, when we are offering ourselves, our work, our words, our heart, our creations, our ideas, when we are offering those things, there is going to be a sacrifice. We are going to risk something. We are going to have to give away out into the world, this, um, this thing that is precious to us. We're going to have to open our hands. We're going to have to surrender it, perhaps. And we're going to have to give it away. And some of us are giving away things to an audience that they are going to then um, receive, not receive, comment on. But to cast is to offer. And then to say, in my offering, God, I will let you, I will let you decide how this lands, where it lands, with whom it lands and how it grows. And that I will not try to control, um, the outcome. I feel like God has said to me so many times, Leanna, uh, you need to sit down and do your work, put your butt in the chair and do your work. I mean, he says it lovingly, of course, sit down and do your work and quit worrying about the 600,000 other things you're worrying about right now. Just do what I've asked you to do. Just do what I've put in your hands. And then this is what he says to me. What happens next is none of your business. (laughs) And I feel like that's kind of maybe what he was saying to the disciples. You know, put your work out into the world and what happens next is none of your business. Let me take care of the rest. You be the human and let me be God. Okay, keep, continue, casting, offering, your nets. Let's focus on your really quickly here. Um, many of us are looking to our left and looking to our right, and we're, we're trying to watch how others are casting their nets. Now, there's a part of this that is... Um, totally fine. And um, how we learn, right? We learn from watching others. Okay, now how are they doing that? And we pick up great tips and wisdom and techniques and strategies and all those things. Great. That's fabulous. However, Um, The problem comes when we set down our net and we try to pick up theirs because we like the way theirs looks, theirs functions, and we like the outcomes that they over there are getting. And we have abandoned our own nets and we've abandoned the invitation to us because we like what's happening over here. And if we could just sort of get in their boat with their nets, then we could have the same results. And this is not the path. And this is not Um, the invitation. The invitation is to return to what God has placed in your hands, in my hands, and to say, if he is calling and he is asking me to respond and to put that back in the water, then this is the work that I am responsible for, not someone else's. And so, um, I just want to be careful. Uh, I want us all to be careful with this idea of looking around and seeing how others are doing things and gaining strategies and input from others. Again, some of this is helpful, but only to the point that it allows us to return back to our own work and to do our own work authentically and um, obediently. And faithfully, maybe the word faithful is better than obedient here because for some of us we hear the word obedient and it just feels so ominous. So faithfully, what would help us? What are we what are the strategies and, and, and only as long as we're looking around and finding ideas and concepts that help us return to our own work? That's what we want to do. When we start um, dabbling into other people's work and the nets they've been given, that's when we need to be reminded that that's that's a game we're not going to win, okay? So this is very easy to do if our work is public and there are other people that are in our um, circles that we believe are doing better than we are. And that's always going to be the case, right? You can look across the street at the mother across the street, and you can say, her house is in better shape than I am. Her kids are better dressed, um, potentially better fed. Her lawn is in better uh, you know, care than mine. We, we can do this constantly in our work, in our parenting, in our marriages, in our vehicles, in our clothes. I mean, anything. you Think of anything, and you can, um, you can compare yourself to someone else. And this is not what God has asked. This is not our path. This is not the spacious place. That's a void in which we drown when we try to pick up someone else's work and make it our own. So, okay, I think we get it. The idea here is what has God, I'm just going to say it again, because we need this reminder over and over again. What is it that God has placed in your hands? Take a minute and think about it. What is the work that is in your hands? And what is he asking you to do with that work? He's asking you to offer it. Okay. And, um, no one else's. And when we try to offer someone else's, this is when we get in trouble, keep continue casting, offering your, no one else's your nets. Okay. So your nets, what are your nets? What is the thing that God has invited you to cast out into the world? Your love, your ideas, your hard work, your, um, your vision, uh, what has God asked you to cast out into the world? What is your net? And if you don't know, that's okay. This isn't a means of pressure. But um, that's another thing that you could stop and you could say, okay, not only do I, um, do I know the barriers to, to me putting myself out there in the world, but I, I think one of the other barriers is I don't really know what it is I'm supposed to be giving away in this season of my life. I don't know the ways in which God's inviting me to participate in his work in the world. Okay, that's fine, but let's take some time and let's sit with God and let's ask him, what is it you're asking me to put out into the world at this point in my life, in this season? Maybe you're beginning again in a certain season of life. Maybe it feels busier. Maybe it feels emptier, quieter. What is God asking you to put out into the world, to offer those around you, your home, your community, your church, your workplace, Your family, your extended family. What is he inviting you to offer? What is it? What is that thing? And if you don't know, spend some time with him and say, God, what is the invitation in this season of my life? You know, maybe it's meals. This doesn't have to be like, you know, a life changing set of um, political concepts. You know, like, let's just start with where our lives are intersecting with the people around us. Maybe it's meals and God's saying, I'm asking you to cast the net of nourishing the people that are around you. And in nourishing them, I want to nourish you. You know, maybe it's as simple as that because the work that we often give away that God is inviting us to give away it doesn't just deplete us. And while it is something we're giving away, and it often is sacrificial, it requires parts of us that are deep and um, that are essential. What I find is it comes back to us and it nourishes us too. So what is that thing that God is inviting you to give away that in giving it away, it fills you back up in this sort of like holy alchemy? What is that thing? That's That's a good thing to ask God. So keep casting your nets. Uh, I want to say, too, I had a spiritual director that I used to meet with um, back in San Diego, and I've written some about her. Her name's Beth, and she was just, I mean, like a literal angel. And she used to say this to me, which I, I, has served me so well. She would say, Leanna, working hard and working out of anxiety are not the same things. And so what I want you to hear as we're talking about keep casting your nets is that we are not doing this out of, out of anxiety. We are not doing this out of a, um, out of an anxious try. We are not uh, manhandling uh, our efforts here. We are not squeezing and gripping and controlling these, trying to control these nets because we're so afraid that if we don't do it right, we're going to fail and we're going to receive the condemnation of God and the people around us. This is working out of anxiety. This is casting our nets out of anxiety. This is another thing to stop and open your hands and ask God to show you. Are my efforts from a place of trying, striving, and fear? Or are my efforts from a place of faithfulness, responsiveness, graciousness? Okay, this is, um, this is uh, two different things. The word abiding comes to mind, and abiding is a cool word, and the etymology of it is onward, wait. Onward, wait. When I abide, when I stay with and sit with God, when I abide in Him, that's what it means. I just hang with Him. I'm in a posture of onward, wait. I'm ready to respond at the time in which He calls me. And abiding in him is very different than striving and scratching our way ahead of him. So uh, about, I don't know how many years now, five years ago probably, I um, got a tattoo. And it was my first tattoo. It is my only tattoo so far. I say so far just because, I mean, I don't really have any plans to get a new one, but who knows? Something could happen exciting in my life and I decide I want to have it permanently put on my body. Um, But I got this tattoo in, I think it was 2014. And it was the fall right after my second book, Breathing Room, came out. And um, Breathing Room uh, came out five years after my first book, which in the publishing world is a long stretch. And there was a lot of uncertainty between the in those five years, between the time my first book came out and my second. In that time, I changed publishers and my editor left the house that I was with. And so there was just a lot of uncertainty as to what my writing was going to look like and, and where it was going to find a home going forward. And... Um, there was just some really cool God moments that brought me into relationship with an agent and in, with a new house, Ravel, who I'm currently with, and my editor there. And um, and so after the book came out, I just I, I wanted to uh, really memorialize and commemorate this writing journey that I had been on. And it started in 2004. I had been writing my whole life. And um, in 2004, we were living overseas in the Middle East uh, for a year. And I spent a lot of time that year writing because... I wasn't working full-time, and we were just over there for a year, and it was such a remarkable, unique experience. And my eyes just opened, and I felt like because my life really—I didn't have a ton of friends, and I didn't have a ton of responsibilities—I think my eyes and my ears really opened to God's voice, to the beauty and uniqueness of that place and that time. And I just—so much came flooding into me to, um, to write down. And so I spent a lot of time by myself listening to God, listening to myself, and writing during that season. And as we were preparing to move back to San Diego at the end of that year, um, I sat down and I was journaling and just talking to God about what my next season of life was going to look like. And I had all of these notes and these journals full of writing, but I had no idea what they were supposed to become. And I had no idea what I was supposed to do professionally. We had orders to return back to San Diego, but I didn't have a job waiting for me there and I didn't know what I was supposed to do. And I was just, you know, as we are sometimes at a crossroad, and I was a newlywed and young, young 20s, and um, just not really sure the next step that my life was going to take. And I remember um, God pointing me in the direction of a certain publishing house in that journaling time. And I, I just sort of thought He was crazy like, what are you talking about, you know? And, um, and I, I didn't understand. What, what are you trying to tell me? And so finally, I said, "Well, okay, I'll go. I'll go and look at their website." And when I looked at their website, immediately what popped up was this um, this kind of advertisement saying, "We are looking for a new generation of writers for a new generation of readers." And they were hosting a writing contest, and they were inviting um, they were inviting submissions of manuscripts, faith based manuscripts. And I knew right then that. Um, This was an invitation. It was a specific invitation for me. And I waited two days to tell a soul because you know when you have those moments and those are the scared, sacred moments where you are scared to death to step into this invitation to cast your net um, but you know it's what you're supposed to do. And you know, the minute that you say it out loud, it's going to make it that much more real. Uh, but I knew it was what I had to do. And so I followed through on that, but it was a long journey. It was, it was five more years from then that my first book was published. And then five more years after that, that my second book came out. And um, God has continued all, over all these, all these 15 years, he has continued when I open my hands and say, God, I don't know what's next with this work. I don't know. Do you want me to continue? Do you want me to um, you know, keep casting my nets in the area of writing? I surrender it. I say, I'm willing to let go of it. I'm willing to pick up a different net. And he and he returns me to this work, and he invites me to reinvest in it. Not because I have made um, best selling lists and been given gigantic advances or movie deals. You know, not because of those things. Or I've been noticed by all the biggest publications or any of that. This is not what he. Um, this is not why I continue in the work. Because I have gotten some, you know, great outcome. It's because I have been invited. And if I don't, if I don't respond, there is something in my life that is unfulfilled. And it's, um, that's a heavy weight to bear, is an unfulfilled invitation, an unfulfilled response. We carry that around with us too. Some of you have, um, you have that. You're holding an unfulfilled dream, an unfulfilled desire, an unfulfilled response to an invitation from God. And that is a large weight to carry. I might even say larger than just going ahead and putting yourself out there. So in 2014, back to the tattoo story, I, um, I got this tattoo, and it is aqua turquoise, which is one of my top two favorite colors. And um, it is in the design of henna. And I got that to kind of um, mimic the henna that I would get when we were in the Middle East. And it crawls up my um, the inside of my forearm, bigger than I wanted it to be, but that's a whole nother story. Um, and, uh, in this beautiful color that I love and it's on my right arm, which is my writing hand. And it's just a reminder to me that, um, when God invites us and we respond, incredibly extraordinary things happen. And those extraordinary things aren't always prosperity and dollar signs, and fame, and numbers. Those incredible things are often, and this is going to get me, they're often an expansion of our interior world. They often can't be measured. They're often not a um, multiplication of our exterior world and this grandiosity of our external world but they are an expansion of our interior world. And I'm telling you, there is no greater gift than that. Of this largeness of trust, of this growth of faith, of a sense of God holding our stories and walking with us and inviting us one step at a time. I share this beautiful line um, from a Spanish poet in the introduction of the new book, Always We Begin Again, the new devotional. And the line is this, Pathmaker, there is no path. You make the path by walking. By walking, you make the path. God is inviting you to take the next step. And by responding, this is how the story is written. The story is written because the disciples didn't catch anything they threw their nets and they threw their nets and they didn't catch anything. And that is part of the story. The story is not miraculous and incredible and a story of grace and faithfulness without there being some lean years. And then God calls and they respond and something alchemic happens. I don't know how, I don't know why exactly. This is the um, mystery of faith But I promise you they walked away from that changed in some small or large way. And this is the invitation that I believe is before me and the invitation that um, I believe is before each of us, that if God is calling you from the shore, that you would take the risk of reinvesting, of beginning again, of casting that net back in the water and saying, I will take the next step, and I will allow the path to emerge as I take that next step. I look down at my tattoo a lot because I get self-doubt, because I get criticism, because I get disappointment. And I say, did I hear it right? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Is this the path that I'm supposed to be on? I mean, maybe I got it all wrong. And I look down, and I remember, no, no. God did not promise me outcomes. He did not promise me numbers he did not promise me success. He promised me his presence. And he promised me that if I will abide in him, there will be great fruit. And I think that's a, that is what's beautiful is the catch is not always what we thought it was going to be, but I promise you it will be significant. And it might just surprise you at how much more significant it was than any outcome you could have thought of would be. It's all holy. The disappointment is holy. The seeming failure is holy. The time we spend in the trenches with others working together is holy. The listening and responding is holy. And God is holding it all. And so sometimes beginning again is about returning, reinvesting, risking, even when even though other people may not understand, other people may not cosign and rubber stamp your reinvestment. Of course, we have to listen to wisdom. Of course, this is not about banging our heads against a wall. But if God is inviting you, might you respond? Might you uh, keep casting your nets? I just want to remind us all, that as we do this, as we reinvest and put our work and ourselves and our very souls out into the world, that there is always a hand reaching towards you. There is always grace available. And there is always a chance to begin again. Okay, guys, thank you for listening. Bye.